Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the thickest. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Awesome you're here. Thank you very much. A couple of days we're on the road. Tomorrow, awesome destinations. And Friday, I'll tell you about coming up in just a bit. And we have a ton of stuff to get to today as well regarding the Colts coming up this weekend at a game. Man, let me tell you this. If you thought, and it didn't happen, but had it been Carson Wentz versus the Colts, can you imagine? And even though this thing's on the road in Charlotte coming up on Sunday, can you imagine for a moment? It's almost a a year to the day, is it not? We're approaching that of the firing of Frank Reich, and then the hiring on an interim basis just out of absolute nowhere of Jeff Saturday. (laughs) So I would suggest if you're the Colts, you really don't want to have to go to Carolina and lose to a one-win team coming up on Sunday. But who am I? I saw Shane Steichen very noncommittal. I thought maybe Braden Smith would have a chance to get back at right tackle this week. Uh, not saying anything as of earlier today regarding the right tackle status. Uh, Juju Brents in the secondary, however, will not practice. So if you want to go try out like Vince Papale did back in 1974 for the Eagles, you may have a chance to play in the secondary. Now, I don't know what your game might be, but you may have a chance. Uh, that's kind of where it feels that they are right now. Really does. Uh, we'll talk a lot of Colts. Kevin Bowen's going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour to discuss that at length. Yeah, it's weird, too. I, I guess I don't think about it as much as we once did. There, Once upon a time, it was top of the list when Josh McDaniels, that first big hire for Chris Ballard. I, I, I don't know. Did that kind of tell the, the tale of the tape? Was it uh, for telling us what was going to happen in the future when he bailed out in the 11th hour? And just embarrassing beyond embarrassing. And uh, the Raiders had themselves a little bit of a purge in the latter portions of the evening on Halloween yesterday. Josh McDaniels, uh, their head coach, gone. Aiden O'Connell, by the way, out of Purdue, is going to be the starter, at least for the time being. 
Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go to the bench, so uh, O'Connell's going to have a serious opportunity to show what he can do here for at least a large portion, we shall see, of the remainder of the season. Um, but I saw this, and I saw this in the star. I think the star had it's a friend of mine named Scott that does that stuff that kind of sent out a, a tweet or an X earlier today that said, you know, the only thing that may be better than a win is, you know, the Colts fans seeing Josh McDaniels being fired. And while maybe for some that's the case, you know, that was so far, so long ago, and there has been so much other junk <laughs> that has happened between that point in time and now. Listen, you do sit there and you go, how in the world could that situation ever occur? But the way that you look at it now, I mean, you're Frank Reich now ago, you're Jeff Saturday now ago, you're Shane Steichen now ago. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know if it's weird. It's like you look for anything as a Colts fan to latch on to to make you feel good about a 3-5 and five team that hasn't really won anything, certainly not a division since 2014. I mean, when you look at the Raiders and how basically each and every year it seems like that they're they're flushed down the toilet. That is a scary proposition because it doesn't take very long to get swept up into that. And that's why I mention all the time, man, when you can start winning, start winning. I don't give a damn about your clock. Your clock's not the same as mine. I want people to start winning. That's why I mentioned yesterday. And I had tweeted out, oh, great, you know, everybody here wants to hear about, you know, a trade to get value picks in a third-day draft. Who cares? Likely is going to be somebody that's going to get cut. And I know that there are exceptions to the rule, but there are also answers to exactly what I'll explain. We end up getting caught up, swept up in all this other stuff because, unfortunately, the team that you follow cannot win or certainly cannot sustain it. And believe me, we got caught up in the same thing with the Pacers. IU has been caught up with IU football like that, basically, other than the COVID season forever. IU basketball has been caught up in that. I guess Purdue, as it pertains to the NCAA tournament, at least recently, but Purdue has obviously won and won at a high level during the regular season recently. But as far as our professional teams are concerned, when people tell me, well, you know, this is going to be a five-year kind of Philadelphia 76ers process type of deal, I'm sick and tired of hearing it. And I know I'm making a lot of light of it. And I don't always make a great point because there are there are picks There are selections that have been made in latter rounds that have worked, but I bet you find out that there are a lot more that have not, and I would rather them, if you're going to hit on something, hit on something earlier. Or if you're skeptical about hitting on something earlier, I don't mind when you go after an established player and then trade off a third rounder, for example. I just think we get caught up in all that garbage, and that that has driven me nuts. You wait for this point in time every year to go ahead and start talking about exactly how you can put together all these picks, all these selections, the draft capital that you want. And 
I've been at an end of that for a while. I guess I keep more of an eyeball on, all right, so what is good here and when is it going to start to be put together and consistently be that way? And that's why I mentioned I think this season is an absolute loss season. Still, they're going to play. Still, I want to see them play well. I want them to be competitive. But as far as what the the major focus and factor was going into this year, it's no longer there. It's a lost season. You have to reboot once you get back next year. And then about this time next year is when I'm assuming we can put together a pretty good idea on what we believe the future to be. I think, unfortunately, now that is going to be a season behind. And I'm not even somebody that goes in there like you guys do and you pay the price of admission. You end up going every Sunday. You have season tickets. That'd wear me out if everybody started talking about, well, you know what? We may be good in five years. Well, wait a minute. I'm paying for season tickets here this year and next year. The year after that, I did the year prior. If I were you, I'd be driven nuts by that, even more so than me. But you do. You try to scramble for something that ends up making you feel better at that particular moment. And this has become all too familiar of a scenario. And the Pacers still have something to prove, by the way. We'll get to the Pacers on the road in Boston coming up in just a bit. But the Pacers still have something to prove. But I know that you guys... At least a lot of you are like me, and you're just kind of worn out on it all right now. That guy had tweeted out something yesterday, kind of in, in jest, but I meant it. I just got sick and tired of people lobbing back and forth questions and criticisms about, I can't believe the Colts didn't go out and do this. And either way, it didn't make sense. I want them to keep players that are good. I don't want them to trade players for the sake of trading players, and I don't give a crap about a six-rounder. I don't really care about a third-dayer. I want to see the guys that they have. Like, I'd be to me, I would rather see a guy like Quiddy Pay start doing and playing to the level in which he was selected. I would rather have that. We continue to push back on that timetable and you you make excuses to do it and that's going to drive you nuts. And it's certainly going to drive those nuts that are those nuts that end up paying the price of admission. Those are the people that are going to be driven nuts about it. Going down there, paying that, staying loyal to the team, and then you end up continuously getting the timetable of when you are back, when you are consistently good again, you keep pushing that time back. Now, the other thing is here, and I get this all the time, I got this response with a couple of things I sent out yesterday, was, well, you know what? You're just incredibly spoiled from the Manning and the Luck era. And nobody is spoiled from the Luck era. Are you crazy? That is going to go down in history as the most bittersweet ever. Seriously. That will end up being, how should I put this? Remember, remember, fellas, when you would, I better not even put it this way. Some analogies, I think, James, are better left unsaid. But I'm assuming 
even now after that, you feel rather blue? I'll give you a hint on that. If you've ever felt blue after a situation, see, I'm not going to go. I'll get in trouble. I won't get in trouble. Todd will come down here and then make fun of me. But that is the most bittersweet of all time. It, it gave you fantastic moments, but it also gave you more so than not where you are right now. And it was such a ridiculous ending. It, that's never going to be viewed as great. There's no comparison to that of the Manning era. And, and the other part about it is I'm not the one. You're not the one. There are a lot of promises made. A lot of declarations, proclamations. This is what we're going to do, and this is who we're going. There he is right here. I knew it. I knew it. Sneak it up on me. Mind. Yeah, I know. I can't help it. Yes, you can. I, no, I can't. That's just the media. That's, but it makes sense, but it's literally See, off the top of my mind. When you said I better not, then you just stopped. But I did just stop. But you didn't. <laughs> 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 no. So people tell me all the time, well, when you write stuff like that, you're just really spoiled. I'm not, believe me. I mean, I lived through it in the early years here when you were just glad you had an NFL team, and it was awful. You know, other than what, 87? You know, we talked about, what, 89? When last night on Halloween, it was like the 35-year anniversary of that Halloween Monday night game. That was the signature moment basically the signature moment of a Colts game of that entire period moving up to the end of the 95 season so far from spoiled am I and of course you've been told this a number of times you've been told how you know all chips are in and you know, talked about multiple Lombardis you've been promised a lot of things and there has not been not only no delivery but zero delivery so never never have somebody in social media try to tell you that you're spoiled because that era that you went through that everybody celebrated the Manning era that was supposed to be the norm around here I know it's not always going to be I know you're going to fall upon hard times but these have been desperate times for a while now there is far from anybody being spoiled. There is disappointment. There is frustration. And sometimes there can be anger. So never feel as if if somebody's trying to tell you, well, you're just spoiled. Nobody is spoiled. You were told things. Things didn't happen. You're frustrated. And everybody should firmly understand that. I mean, seriously, I look back to the luck era and go, wow, it only brought heartache more than it did anything else. Seriously. I mean, even if you did go to an AFC title game. So I erased that. The Manning era, I will get, but that was supposed to be the norm. You know, playing at that level. You know, being a really high-level, smart football operation that was supposed to be the norm and it's still chasing it and people get frustrated and then when you get frustrated you get sick and tired of hearing about a three and five team and blowing of games and home and opportunities here and opportunities there and then you start talking about draft selections late round picks third day selections war chess and all that crap that just wears me out because you feel that is the only direction in which you can go 
So part of me wants to agree with you on that, but I'm never going to agree to really want to talk about it because it does. It wears me out. And I know that it does a lot of you too. Putting together a puzzle is fantastic, but you want that thing put together far beyond to where it is. Even if it was a season of rebuild, which it absolutely is, the problem is you can't see the main portion of the rebuild. And you're not able to go through it. And that will bring along some frustration. But certainly not any level of being spoiled. That is lame. And that is those, I'm assuming they're much younger than me. And maybe if you were growing up during the Manning era and you were a kid and you know now you feel everybody is spoiled, they just expect that. Well, you expect that because you were told to expect that. That's why. And it's going to be time at some point as we've been watching the clock here for a long period of time for organizationally this place to start like making up for those particular uh, proclamations, declarations, things that they've told you in the past that they're going to do. This is what we're going to do again one of these days as the clock continues to tick. So if you get at this point in time and you get frustrated about it, you start thinking about the April NFL draft, it may drive me nuts and it's going to drive others nuts, but that's kind of what at times you're left with. It's a part of the vicious cycle of losing in the NFL. It truly is. You know, I brought up the Raiders, for example, who fired their coach last night, fired their general manager, fired their offensive coordinator, demoted their quarterback. And, I mean, hell, how long have they been doing this crap now? This is who they are now. You know, they're not just win, baby. This is who they are. And unfortunately, until the Colts dig out of it, this is who the Colts are. And that's not what you want them to be. So we can end upon that if you like. Kevin Bowen's going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. A lot of things we shall get to. Anish Sharaf, bottom of the hour, is the voice of the Carolina Panthers. I got to ask about Bryce Young, his evolution. He's still playing. Number one overall selection in the April NFL draft. And that first win of the season. And how everybody is feeling right now in Charlotte, North Carolina. Anish Sharaf is going to join us. He is the voice of the Carolina Panthers coming up at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, the Pacers play tonight. Pacers in Boston. Uh, We'll find out, I'm assuming, a little bit later on today who's going to be participating and who is not. I know that there were some serious question marks. I haven't seen. Look that up right now, James, if anything changed as we hit the air here at 3 o'clock. But I know that both uh, Tyrese Halliburton and I believe Benedict Matherin, um, they were skeptical about the play, which would obviously be damaging against a team like Boston. But I think also skeptical was Jalen Brown from the Boston standpoint. Boston unbeaten on the season. Boston is as loaded up as anybody in the NBA. And that was part of the bummer. Part of the bummer on Monday night and not taking care of business at home. And I was more focused in on what you guys didn't see. And I thought, in the fashion in which the content, the product was not presented to you by Bally was more of a loss for the Pacers on Monday night than the loss to the Bulls. But if you want to get down to it, you're 3-0 and going in, major test, feel good, and now you go in thinking, man, you don't want to come out of this being 2-2. Two and two. 
Boston has been legit for a long time. They remain legit. And when you bring in Holiday to that backcourt, that is probably what legitimizes the entire operation on the floor more than anything else right now. And uh, Porzingis has fit pretty nicely so far. The place where you can get Boston, it seems, until proven otherwise, is getting to their bench. A lot of these teams that certainly are stacked in that starting lineup will struggle and struggle mightily once you go to the bench. So you can get them there, but you got to get them there first. Got to get them there first and take advantage of it first. And uh, we'll see what the Pacers look like coming up later on tonight. Now, hopefully you do see what the Pacers look like. Hopefully you do. And I'm sure if you don't, you're going to tell me. (laughs) And that is an incredible bummer for the Pacers. I kind of hope that I'd get up this morning and then the Pacers would say, all right, you know what? I'm not going to stand for this any longer. Here's what we have to do. And I know for me it's easier said than done. But you certainly don't want a problem which systematically is the blame of your content carrier. That problem will also go on the multi-million dollar professional sports organization. It's going to fall upon their shoulders. It's problematic. Yeah, I talked yesterday about the IHSAA. I'm going to tell you, people on Thanksgiving weekend... On that Friday and on that Saturday, they'll be more prepared on Saturday. But on that Friday, and you're going to be looking up and down and trying to find the state finals of football on television, and you're not going to find it. And then you find out you got to pay like five bucks a game or something like 15 bucks a game. I'm sorry, that's the price of admission. I think it's 15 bucks a game or then get everything for 20 bucks. There are going to be a lot of people, certainly then, more pissy than people responding right now. And I grant grant you this, you just simply don't want to mess around with Bally. To me, though, television-wise, especially with this short notice, you got to find somebody to help you out. You got to you got to find somebody television-wise that you get to to provide the content. Now, a lot of people have said, "Well, why doesn't Wish pick it up? Why can't they do it? Why can't they put it on Wish?" Well, then I wouldn't be able to watch it because I haven't seen Wish in about five years. Well, last time I saw Wish, I think Mark Patrick was on it. Because it has not been provided by DirecTV in that length of time. But I will suggest that with this short amount of time, this is not going to go well. You know, I mentioned years ago that we were going to start getting hit over the head with price tags and expenditures that we're not used to. You know, I felt the same way when I used to pirate. I love saying pirate too, right? That made me feel like, oh man, pirating. It's like what you used to feel like when you would go to Ohio to get yingling because they didn't sell it here. You weren't bootlegging, but you you really did feel like you were smoking the bandit. You, you felt like bandit. You felt like snowman. I'm going to go to Ohio and I'm going to bring back some yingling. And now it's not a big deal. Not a big deal any longer. I just go buy it now. But pirating. When I had a big satellite dish, I was pirating everything. That's why I call it pirating. 
And then they figured out that you were doing that, and they found a way they are going to charge you. And slowly but surely, and this starts with the late 80s all the way up to where we are now, and this is where we are now. I'm kind of curious how many of you pay. I, I can't imagine you can keep up with all that you pay for and the passwords to get you into all that you pay for. And the IHSAA is evidently going to give you another one. And a lot of you are not going to realize that. You're going to realize that about the same time you realize that, wait a minute, there are no more one-on-ones in basketball. What's happening here? I saw that. Actually, I was sent that two days ago about the uh, no longer utilizing one-on-ones. I love one-on-ones. That means you could shoot. Starting with two shots, once you get past a point, come on, man. One-on-ones always meant you could shoot. At any rate, some people are going to find out on that particular Black Friday that the high school football, the finals are not of it. Some are probably going to be invested in it, right, in rural areas. Got me saying that word again. There are going to be some unhappy folks right there. Yeah, I know that I'm often not right about a great deal, okay? But I am right about this. I have been right about this for a long time. I'll continue to be right about this because I am you. We are one with this. I mean, I do the same damn thing that you do. And when I want something that I normally get and it's not there and I have felt that I have paid for it and all of a sudden, poof, that is gone, I get pissed just like you did on Monday night trying to watch the Pacers. We'll dive into that coming up a little bit later on as well. Kevin Bowen. Evan Sidery is going to join us, too, from Forbes and more. We'll talk some NBA and a little more insight on the Celtics with Evan coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Anish Sharaf is the play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers, the one-win Panthers next up on the schedule for the Colts. And Anish will join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the Windshoeless Spreadable Cheeses Lounge, the stream, the app, HD radio on a web. Wednesday in studio, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm going to... Damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. At tomorrow, Coach's Tavern here downtown. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots, Week 9. Me, Brent Holverson, oh, Tommy S is going to be there too. You can join us downtown, Coach's Tavern downtown. Uh, Bud Light Blue Friday is at GG's at 71st and Benford. Can't wait to see you there. 71st and Benford, Bud Light Blue Friday. We've got Colts tickets to give away. We'd love, and I mean love, uh, to absolutely see you. Fantastic it will be. Uh, those are two opportunities for you to be with the show if you so desire. Uh, certainly would love to see you there. 
Anish Sharaf, who is the voice of the Panthers, ESPN guy, is going to join us coming up here shortly. Evan Sider, he talks some NBA with us, top of the hour. Bowen's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. Kevin Harlan and Jonathan Stewart, the former running back with the Panthers, joins us coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, Kevin Harlan has the call on it, I believe, of course, among the other calls that he's doing. Last night, I think he was doing a little TNT, right? I think the night before that, Monday Night Football on the radio, obviously on Sunday doing the NFL games busy as Kevin Harlan and uh, Kevin joins us coming up on tomorrow's show this is Jeff G kind of where I was going on this but no this is a hell of an analogy right here Jeff says Colts fans at the end of the luck era would relate to Gary at the end of the last American virgin <laughs> yes yes you would mine was a little bit different but no Yes, Gary from the end of The Last American Virgin, which is one of those 80s teen romps. However, it's not your average, everything works out in the end, and it's spectacular teen romp. At the end of that film, Gary is driving away to James Ingram, I believe, singing Just Once, crying. (laughs) Jeff G., that is perfect right there. (laughs) absolutely perfect just once gary just bawling his eyes out that's a hell of an analogy i'll give you a full breakdown of that coming up in a minute too that's well done nate writes this jmv is there any way that we can get rid of bally sports as a fan base i do not understand why we have such a subpar service and that the pacers don't understand how this is damaging to their brand in a year where the Colts suck, they should be pouncing on this opportunity. Yeah, I would agree. I, I am without knowledge as to what would be available for them to do, Nate. Now, I'm assuming that you could, because you can throw a wad of cash at anything. Know what I mean? You can throw a wad of cash at anything and make it all right. So I'm assuming you could throw a wad of cash at somebody, but I could be wrong. That assumption could be 100% inaccurate. Jeremiah says, getting in trouble with Todd live on the air. That's hilarious. I know. He came down here. Came down here stamping his foot (laughs) like I knew he would. And I didn't even say it. I erred on the side of caution. Now, Nate, getting back to your point, though. I honestly don't know until somebody tells me because the Pacers haven't really addressed it. So I don't know what could be done. And if somebody has any ideas, that'd be great. Let me know. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, you know him certainly for his work on ESPN. I believe in year number two as the play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers, Anish Sharaf joins us. Thank you very much, Anish, for the time. How you doing? Well, I'm doing good. You know, Panthers got a W. Um, season uh, finally had a little bit of glimmer uh, last, last weekend. <laughs> well... If you're looking for glimmer, you may not find it here either, Anish, to be quite honest with you. So not much glimmering going on in either places. I did want to ask you this. What number were you coming out of WHEN in Syracuse of guys that hit it big in sports broadcasting? Because that was like a springboard for a lot of folks, right? Well, WHEN was the uh, local clear channel station in town, and that was – 
it no longer exists, but Adam Shine was there shortly right. before I was. Our student radio at Syracuse, WAER, is the one that's got the alumni list with Costas and Marv Albert and Marty Glickman and yeah, I, I'm I'm very very low on that totem pole. <laughs> There's been a lot of other luminaries to come through, and you know somewhere in the um, you know also Rands, uh, you, you might find my name. I can't imagine how competitive that was being at at, at Syracuse. Oh. I, I'm assuming that was as competitive as the the sports products you guys were covering. You know what's amazing, and, and people don't believe me when I tell them this. That little cauldron, that student radio station that we had in my four years there, to date, that is the most competitive atmosphere I've been in. Even when you factor in the time in Bristol and ESPN and all the other places I've worked, far and away, that was the most competitive environment I've ever been a part of. And it was great because it brought out the best in all of us. We're all basically out there competing to do you know, that one football game every week or that one or two basketball game every week, and, and there's limited spots. And so, yeah, it's a race to the top, and whoever can you know, get cleared first and can get those uh, primo spots when you're an upperclassman and then you're in a position hopefully to make the decisions, uh, as I was as a senior, and you get to do the assignments. But, yeah, it, <laughs> that place was a cauldron, man. It was a cauldron. Did you um? You think you lived your life – as a normal college student, like I think about no. me at Indiana State, and it's, I'm assuming it's a 180 compared to how you went through college at Syracuse. No, I mean, it was wild. I look back on it, though, there were things that we got to do, right? My senior year, I'm sitting courtside at the NCAA tournament in Denver and Phoenix during the school year, and you know, I look about four or five seats down from me, and there's Jim Nance calling a game, and here we are as students calling a game. You get to go call a Syracuse-Miami football game at the Orange Bowl, Syracuse-Virginia Tech at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg. And when you're 20, 21 years old, I don't think you really appreciate how hard it is to do that again, how hard it is to come back and just call a game even at your alma mater. And it's funny because this Friday – I'm calling a game at Syracuse, Syracuse BC on ESPN2. And every time I now go back with ESPN to call a game there, you, you kind of say, man, I didn't take this <laughs> seriously enough as a student in the sense that I didn't appreciate how hard this opportunity is uh, now that I've been doing it for a long time. See, I mean, you had to be – to get to where you are right now, I mean, it just – it doesn't happen. I mean, you had to be as focused for your time at Syracuse as anybody in that program. That just – that seems interesting to me because you probably – you were resigned to the fact that you could not be in that program. If you wanted to reach the levels in which you had dreamt, you could not be an average and normal type of college student, I would assume. Yeah, and, you know, you see it from the guys in front of you, behind you. When I was in school, Andrew Catalan was a few years ahead of me. Carter Blackburn, Damon Amendolara, you know, guys who've made it in this business. And the class beneath me, the junior class, was Jason Benetti. And so you see all these guys who are incredibly talented, and it forces you to up your game and, and really critique your work and ask for outside feedback. You know, we live in a world now where nobody wants to hear – oh, you're not good enough, or you need to work harder, or you need to be better at this. Everybody wants reassurance, right? Everybody wants to be told, hey, uh, give me the perfect uh, feedback here. I have to live in my little curated world, right? 
uh, it was different back then. Like we wanted to be ripped apart. We wanted to be told, no, this, this is terrible. You need to do better because that's how we felt we got better. There was a lot of tough love, but uh, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. So I'm thinking about what all you did going over, you know, did being next to Jim Nance and doing football games at the orange bowl. And I once called LSU and Indiana state from Baton Rouge from a payphone in the concourse because the equipment didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but see, those, you know, those, those lessons teach you something down the road, right? You got to figure it out. Yeah, we well, we figured that out all right. So there's no doubt about that. Uh, Anisha Roff joins us. He's the voice of the Carolina Panthers. First win last week. Um, anything you're leaning on that could also transition into this matchup coming up on Sunday with the Colts and the Panthers? You know, it's the obvious, but it starts with Bryce Young. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's played turnover free. Really, even the Detroit game where he had a couple of mistakes. One, the receiver ran a wrong route. It led to an interception. The other was a screen pass where Aiden Hutchinson just made a tremendous play to intercept the pass with one hand. Bryce Young has started to play pretty well. And when you watch how much the Panthers put on him, the checks at the line, the calls at the line, it's not the center doing that. He's doing that. He had one play on the game-winning drive. It was a third and long. The Texans have been bringing pressure. You know, the previous couple of drives, they've been getting home and getting into the backfield and had a few sacks. And he audibles out of a play, and they throw a tunnel screen to Adam Thielen, who picked up about 10 or 11 yards, and all of a sudden third and long turned into fourth and two, and then they convert to fourth and two. But that was Bryce Young. That was Young seeing it. Um, I work with Jake DeLome when I'm calling these games. And the one thing Jake, as a former quarterback, continues to point out is just how well Bryce Young is seeing the field. And he's not making the same mistake over and over. And I get it. C.J. Stroud was taking one spot behind him, and Stroud has been you know, better through nine games. He's put up better numbers. He's played better. I, I totally get that. We get lost in that comparison, and sometimes – you forget that, hey, Bryce is progressing really well, and they're both rookie quarterbacks in this league. Bryce Young, and I've been saying this for weeks, he is about to have a game, probably in this next month, where he's going to put up wow numbers, and you're going to go, oh, okay, that's why they took him number one. And given what's going on with Indy's secondary, I wouldn't be surprised if it's this Sunday. Yeah, well, they're having open tryouts for it, I think, this afternoon. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it could be uh, bad. And we've seen the last two, individually speaking, with Tony Brown last week and then Daryl Baker Jr. Anish, you go back two weeks ago against uh, Cleveland, and it has been awful, and it's not prepared for anything. Juju Brents, the rookie, they were leaning on him. He's going to miss some more time. So, yeah, if there was ever an opportunity at home for this, this offense and Bryce Young really to step out and do something major, I would think – in the crosshairs would be this Colts defense, in particular the secondary coming up on Sunday. Yeah, and, and the reality is for the Panthers, they have not had a real playmaker in the receiving game with the exception of Adam Thielen. Uh, DJ Chark was hurt going into the season, hasn't really been a factor. Terrace Marshall was a breakout candidate going into the season. Uh, recently, his agent and Terrace were granted permission to go seek a trade because he really had been getting the time that he wanted and there was no trade to be had. I don't know what the market was for him. And Marshall has, you know, not really progressed the way we thought he would. Jonathan Mingo is still a rookie. He's coming off his best game. Uh, I think there's some hope there. 
Hayden Hurst, who was signed in the offseason as a tight end, uh, is really now the number two or number three tight end. He's been passed on the depth chart. And the same with Miles Sanders, who was a receiving back who could supposedly be a three-down back coming over from Philly, 1,200 yards rushing last year. He had two carries last time out, and Chuba Hubbard has supplanted him as the number one running back. And the way Raheem Blackshear played last week, Miles probably right now is at best the two or the three running back on this team. So um, facing a team that's banged up defensively, given all the injuries the Panthers have had, I think they're probably licking their chops a little bit. It might be a chance for some of these receivers to create some separation, somebody outside of Adam Thielen to have a big day. Uh, Anisha Roth is the voice of the Carolina Panthers. Of course, the Colts and Panthers coming up on Sunday. And uh, we'll get you started with that on the Colts pregame huddle beginning at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Anisha on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, Frank Reich, just about this time a year ago, uh, was fired again in season uh, by the Colts. They go with Jeff Saturday, uh, somebody obviously you work with, I'm sure, at some point while at ESPN. Um, And that didn't work out either. But we saw how things had gone for this team. Um, until last week, and they got that first win. How much of the heat did that first win take off of Frank Reich at that moment over the weekend? You know, it's interesting. I think maybe some. I think it had more to do with the previous five years when Frank wasn't here. Uh, This is a franchise, if you just trace their history arc, they had a really good run during Cam Newton's prime Cam takes that hit from T.J. Watt, 2018, never really the same after. Thomas Davis retires. Luke Keekley retires. You bring in new ownership, new head coach, Matt Rule. They had their aging core from 2015 all basically subside. And then it was retreat quarterback after retreat quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, trying to figure this thing out. Um and you've gone five years in a row now without the postseason. And so fans had run thin on patience, and you can kind of understand that. So this year, new quarterback, new head coach, there's a lot of buzz, there's excitement, and then you start 0-6. People were grumbling, and that's, I think, again, not so much, hey, a first-year coach taking his lumps early on with a new team, new system, all that stuff. It was more so – hey, here we go again, or does this feel like here we go again after what we've had to put up with for the last five, six years? So um, I think, you know, some things changed. Frank Wright gave up play calling during the bye week, and Thomas Brown called the plays last week for the first time. And the first couple of drives didn't really do much, but they started getting into a groove. If you look at the final score, you would think, yeah, not a great offensive game by either team. But there were some long drives by both teams in that game, and and it, it shrunk the game quite a bit. Um, but their offense actually moved the ball, I would say, probably more consistently than in any other game this season. So there, there were some positives. And again, I think just to drop that albatross off your neck and get that first win, that's probably got to be a relief for the QB and, and certainly for a head coach. Hey, Anish, do you ever get to work with Jeff Rickard while in Charlotte, North Carolina? <laughs> uh, I don't think I've been on his show, but I, I I do run into him in the press box quite a bit. Make fun of him because he rides his vroom vroom all the time, his bike. He's, <laughs> I think he's like Lance Armstrong or something. All so. right, so let me ask you this. Does he do the whole get-up, you know, where he's, oh, he's, he's complete. like Lance Armstrong, too? Yeah, I mean, you would think that he's not pedaling through Carmel. He's pedaling through the mountains in the Tour de France. That's what he thinks, See, yeah. 
I don't know about you. I see that, and I just roll my eyes. <laughs> so the folks out there, because I, I've got a bike, and I'll go ride my bike, and I do it in a T-shirt and yeah. gym shorts. Yeah. I don't need I don't need the whole getup. I don't need to look like Jan Ulrich or Lance Armstrong <laughs> because again, I'm pedaling through suburban Charlotte, suburban Charlotte versus like as you said the Pyrenees and I see these folks and I'm going like you walked out of the house did you like how do you do that but then a lot of people do that. So I yeah. I, I, I don't know. Nah. I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, he's uh I think he's head to toe in Lecoq Sportif from 1991. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, man, I appreciate the conversation. That was very enjoyable. The best of luck to you. Congratulations again on your number two of your gig there in Charlotte with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, hopefully we see you down the line sometime, maybe talk some more sports, maybe not so much about teams that aren't really good right now, but some other stuff, too. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. Take care. Cheers. It's Anish Sharaf right there with Andy Moore on the Month Group Hotline. Head to toe in Lecoq Sportif. You know what I'm talking about there, James? You do not. Who knows about Lecoq Sportif? Quick break. We'll come back. Top of the hour, Evan Sidery. Pacers in Boston tonight. That and the first week in the books in the NBA. Evan's got that. Bowen's in the 5 o'clock hour. You and me on the other side inside the lounge via YouTube Live at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Lisa, three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Anish Sharaf, who is the voice of the Carolina Panthers, also does play-by-play on ESPN, was a really good conversation earlier. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Inside the Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses Lounge. That is YouTube Live. You can participate in the conversation. Watch, listen. It's like a peephole in there. Not really. But no, you can get in there and have some fun and always understand that the spreadability is here. Central Indiana, the Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. Bowen. Bowen's getting his hair redid, courtesy of WeGrowHairIndy.com. I heard that this morning, right? Artist Robotic FUE. Yeah, go get it, buddy. He's going to look like Gabe Kaplan. I mentioned that yesterday. Mr. Cotter. Well done, Kev. Kev's going to join us at the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk about his brand spanking new hairdo coming up. (laughs) We'll make him feel really comfortable, I'm sure. Pacers in Boston coming up later on tonight. Uh, Pacers probably without guys I haven't seen just yet for sure. Maybe Boston without Jalen Brown. Maybe we'll find out something right now and then some. We'll set it up for you with the Pacers and the Celtics from Boston. And Evan Sidery joins us, as he always does. Forbes Sports, you can find him there. Substack Inc., you can find his work there as well. Does a lot of basketball 
writing and observing, commentating for both of those publications. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We're going to have some banged-up teams on both sides tonight, in your estimation? It certainly sounds like it, John. Thanks again for having me on here. It sounds like from Rick Carlisle at practice yesterday, he said it'd be quote-unquote questionable at best that Tyrese Halliburton or Benedict Mathurin played tonight. And especially now with this new League Cup they're implementing that every team's be playing in here on Friday, if that really matters to this Pacers team to make an impact in that League Cup uh, matchup with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'd be very surprised if we see Tyrese Halliburton or Benedict Mathurin play tonight. I don't think uh, there's a, really a need to rush those guys back. And I would be surprised on Boston's side, too, if Jalen Brown plays tonight. So I would expect a lot of Jason Tatum, a lot of Drew Holiday, and a lot of Chris Porzingis for the Celtics. Hey, Evan, I'm going to use you for this, too, uh, because uh, some things I know uh, about this end-season tournament other things I do not. We'll double back to the Boston conversation in a second, but explain to our listeners out there the whole inner workings of this end-season tournament, especially how it affects the Pacers. Yeah, so the in-season tournament, there I believe there's six different groups of five teams spread across there, and it's like a, it's like the soccer tournaments you see all around the world and the World Cup matchups, so group play. Really, the NBA and Adam Silver implemented that this season. It's the debut year of the NBA tournament for that. And really, it's about just those five teams squaring off against one another, and your record at the end of that is going to determine if you move on to the next round of that phase and move on eventually into the final four of this tournament, which would take place in mid-December in Las Vegas. So it'll be an interesting little trial run for the NBA here. They're going to be doing some games on Fridays, some on Tuesdays, I believe, as well, over the next six weeks. So it'll be a fun little little wrinkle here. I think the Pacers are actually um, – could be a surprise little team that makes some noise in that. Yeah. Um, do you like the idea of this, or, or, or is it kind of wait-and-see pattern for all of us? Really, I do like it because it incentivizes more of these teams like the Pacers to, that haven't really experienced these kind of high-leverage moments in a while to go in there and kind of make a statement. And these young, hungry teams can do that. Maybe the veteran teams, that the championship contenders like the Phoenixes of the world, the Milwaukee's, they might not take it as seriously as these younger teams. But I think it's a good little litmus test to really let every team in the NBA experience these kind of high-leverage moments. So I'm really in favor of it. I think more competitive basketball, the better, to be honest. Now, do you think that, that all these players are going to take that as, as seriously as the NBA hopes they do? I think with the financial and the financial gain from it, I believe uh, the winning team wins a couple million dollars for each player at the end of that. I think maybe that could help out a little bit. But I am kind of curious to see how these true competitive teams at the top of the conferences will go because I would not be surprised if we saw like in Nikola Jokic, for example, and Denver sit out a League Cup game because Denver doesn't need to win a League tournament. They're all about going for a repeat of the championship. So I think those teams would be the interesting ones to watch. But the young and upcoming teams, really the Pacers fit right into that category. They're a team that I think could really benefit from something like this. I just, yeah, I just wonder the investment that some of these these older school made just ton of cash and and really with those that play on teams that just are not going to have a chance not a shot in the dark at making this money i'm just kind of curious the on the court investment these players are going to have for this yeah it might not be a hundred percent and that is going to be i think why the the league's testing this out i mean they're not fully locked into this after the next couple of years i think this is going to be an important 
kind of next couple of year trial run for the NBA to see if every team takes it serious, if they need to make some tweaks along the way at the end of it to see if more more teams, more players, more of the superstar players in the NBA are incentivized to do it at a 100% effort level. I think it's the biggest issue already seeing the NBA already this week, John, over the last week of basketball is these star players sitting out due to rest already. And that's yeah. kind of – I think we're seeing the NBA, these teams and these players – kind of going rap against that 65-game threshold that the NBA is holding out for for awards and everything like that, I think we'll see every couple weeks these star players rest one or two games, and they'll just stay right at that 65-game mark to stay eligible for those awards. So I think it's kind of a a little do-si-do that the players are kind of trying to do against that rule. It's uh, Evan Sidery joins us talking to the NBA and more with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So let's go back to this matchup tonight and maybe to set the stage for the Pacers in Boston this evening, go back to Monday and that disappointing loss to the Bulls. I I want you to bring this up because I did a little bit yesterday. Does it seem to you that other teams, and we really saw this, I felt, on Monday, teams are really hard targeting here we have seen. We saw some last year, too, when he was still healthy. Hard targeting Tyrese Halliburton to play defense on that defensive end. I thought we saw that in the second half a great deal on Monday. Would you agree? Certainly so, yeah. And I think that's going to be something that Rick Carlisle and the coaching staff is going to continue to tweak around is what best lineup around Tyrese Halliburton. Can you quote-unquote hide him a little bit on defense, put him in the corner, on a, really a non-threat offensively, I think that's why you need to see more of players like Jairus Walker eventually for his defensive purposes. You can have Jairus Walker, Aaron Neesmith, Bruce Brown, and Miles Turner all out there together. That's a legitimate four-man group you feel very confident about in hiding Tyrese Halliburton, for example. So I think they're just going to see more tweaks into the rotation, into the lineups to try to find those sort of lineups that make the most sense to hide Tyrese on the defensive end. But I think it's just going to be something that the Pacers are going to have to deal with because we know Tyrese Halliburton throughout his career, he's a subpar defender at least on ball. He's a, he's good at steals. He's good at deflections, but he certainly can be targeted on the offensive end, especially in pick and roll situations. So I think it's more just about finding the right balance from the Pacers and trying to find him a role as far as staying out of the way on defense. He is held in such a high, high regard league wide. And certainly here, is there a level of concern that the Pacers may feel the need to have to hide him defensively? Um, I, I wouldn't go there just yet. I think it's more of just trying to – if we're at the same point in, let's say, mid-December or around the new year, and it's a, still a topic where Tyrese Halliburton's getting picked on relentlessly by opposing teams late in game, they have no answers for it, I think then you should really start worrying, and maybe that the Pacers could go address that at the trade deadline, for example, to get some more help defensively, even though they've already put in a lot of investment. When Bruce Brown, he's had a good start so far. Jairus Walker, as I mentioned there, who eventually will get into the rotation. So I think it's more of just – this is really a trial period for the Pacers too, John, and implementing these new pieces, trying to find what works out best. And I think Tyrese Halliburton, we already know how good of an offensive player he is and why he's already a consensus, in my opinion, top 20, top 25 player. If he improves and just becomes at least average on defense, I think he's a top 15 player. How far do you think he has to go to improve on being average defensively? Um, I think it's more just about on-ball defense. I think it's really just about staying disciplined in that area. I think off-ball he can maybe lose track a little bit as far as going around screens kind of taking his eyes off the ball. He can ball watch a little bit, trying to ball hawk that ball for some steals. So I I think it's more about discipline Tyrese Halliburton and more so just about 
staying in his role defensively and just trying his best to avoid the situations where he gets switched onto these wings and he has really no chance defensively. And that's going to be something to watch out for. I think he has, I would say, a pretty sizable jump to go, at least to be average defensively. But if he does eventually get to that point, he's going to be a true superstar in this league. Yeah, I don't know what they do to him more. If they just kind of, you know, set him up and, and beat him off the dribble on the perimeter or I'll tell you, the pace is the other night. And again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you saw something different. But so easily switching everything for this team right now is just such a recipe for defensive disaster. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's a it's really hit and miss right now. I think the two biggest culprits in that one who we just mentioned in Tyrese Halliburton, I think the other one too is Bennett and Mathurin, who I've seen some blowback from fans about his inconsistent minutes so far and why he's been kind of uh, not getting 30-plus minutes per game, even though they are prioritizing his development. I think a lot of that is due to his defense and his lack of defensive development so far. He's been another player, too, that team's been going out pretty consistently defensively. He's dying often on screens and situations like that and allowing easy buckets. And that's why you're seeing more minutes for Buddy Heald, more minutes even more for Bruce Brown. He's already carrying a pretty big workload defensively for this team. So I think Matherin's a pretty big culprit there, as is Tyrese Halliburton. But that's kind of what you build here is to hopefully have a Bruce Brown and a Jairus Walker. Maybe Ben Shepard Shepard develops into a solid defender down the road. Aaron Neesmith, too. Miles Turner, obviously, as your rim protector. Those guys can help insulate and make it easier for those more, way more offensive heavy guys in Tyrese and Matherin to really kind of hide themselves defensively. And that's going to be the really the big balancing act long-term, John. If you're building this team around Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin, two sub-bar defenders but really good offensive players, you're going to have an elite offense. You just got to put the right piece around them and have an average defense. It's, uh, Evan Sidery talks NBA with us right now on the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Potline. What's been your impression on the, the minutes Obi Toppins received in the first three games? Yeah, it's been – Interesting, to say the least. I think it's really – Obi Toppin has been kind of – I think the coaching staff still experimenting with really what they have with Obi Toppin. And Rick Carlisle admitted that at media day this year. that They still need to find out what they have in Obi Toppin. And he's been playing under 20 minutes per game in two of these three games. He just went over the 20-minute mark in this past game, 24 points – or 24 minutes, excuse me. But he hasn't really done much in his minutes, especially offensively, which is what he's brought on board for. I think it's just an adjustment period for Obi Toppin. He's averaging seven points per game in 20 minutes so far. He needs to hit his jumper consistently. But I think with Obi Toppin, I'm not really worried about him long-term. I think he's more so of a rotation kind of piece, a player who can give you 10 to 12 points per game if necessary. I think it's going to be kind of finding the best lineups for him defensively because he's another player that is subpar on that end. And I think it's going to be kind of figuring out when do you pull the trigger on putting Jairus Walker into that lineup, into the rotation? And when that happens eventually, John, that's going to cut into Obi Toppin's minutes even more. So I think it's going to be kind of a balancing act here for the coaching staff to kind of figure out what this power forward position is between Obi Toppin and Jairus Walker down the road. My interpretation on Obi Toppin and his clock so far has been, all right, if he's not going offensively, he's not good enough to stay out here in more minutes because he is so bad defensively. Is that fair? No, that's that's fair, and that was the rep he's had throughout his entire NBA career, to be honest. In New York, he wasn't getting playing time because Tom Thibodeau, as we all know, one of the more aggressive coaches, one of the more high, 
high-strung coaches as far as if you're not doing your job, you're going to pull out of that game immediately. If you don't play defense on a Tom Thibodeau team seat in Chicago and Minnesota, now in New York these last couple of years, you're not going to get rotation minutes for his teams. And Obi Toppin barely cracked 15 minutes per game over these last three years because he's not good at all defensively. And I know Indiana, you can really hide that a little bit because they're such a good team offensively. But if you want to have a good defensive team around Tyrese Halliburton, Obi Toppin might be more of a role player that gets 20 to 25 minutes per game. If that, when you need to have guys like Jairus Walker and stuff out there who maybe fit better around Tyrese Halliburton defensively. And that's been the big priority all offseason long, John, was, as you know, they preach defensive improvement. What, How can guys get better defensively? And Obi Toppin, he's not been a good defender throughout his career. He hasn't been good so far in these couple games. And he's going to be a guy in the next couple months to really figure out what they have in him. So I think it's a big couple months upcoming here for Obi Toppin, honestly. Evan Sidery talks NBA with us. You mentioned Jess Walker a couple of different times. So do you think there's going to be some kind of signature moment where he is just going to be introduced as a rotational player for this Pacers team? Or is it going to be a longer period of time than what we may think? It certainly feels like it's going to be a longer period of time, even though I might not necessarily agree with that because we saw last year uh, Rick Carlisle will be patient with his rookies. We saw Benedict Mathering get around 25 minutes per game throughout the first three, four months of the season. Then then the last 10 to 12 games, he gets the minutes restriction taken off of them. Jairus Walker's not even in the rotation yet. So that's the big difference here with Mathering and Jairus Walker is that Mathering, you were at least getting a lot of minutes, a lot of production. Jairus Walker is barely cracking the rotation. I think he's played only about 15 minutes so far this season. And that's the big thing to me with Jairus Walker. We knew coming out of Houston, great defender. I think overall the best defender in this past year's draft class outside of Victor Wembenyama as far as immediate impact and long-term impact on that end. But offensively, you kind of knew he was going to be a one-box one kind of player who doesn't really give you much versatility in the offensive end. And you kind of have to fit him in where you can. And the jumper hasn't developed so far. It's going to take time with Jairus Walker. Obviously, he's only 19, 20 years old. So I think it's going to be a longer-term development curve for Jairus Walker. I think maybe more so around the New Year time, maybe in, in mid-December if the defensive issues for guys like Obi Top continue, for example, maybe then you see Jairus Walker crack the rotation and kind of see what they have with him. I was very outspoken last week at uh, at some point early we were going to find a huge role where Rick Carlisle needed to go to TJ McConnell and it was going to be sooner rather than later and it was Saturday night he went to him and things worked out I thought Rick made a tremendous mistake in not doing the same thing on Monday night especially with the way Nimhard was playing with the six turnovers you agree yeah I think if they want to give these young guys the run which I know it might sound weird to say that they're still prioritizing development over wins right now, but I think they really want to see Andrew Nemhart take full control of that back backup point guard position. Let him take his lumps, play a lot of heavy minutes there, because they view him as a long-term voting block. They, obviously, Aaron Neesmith got his extension as well. Nemhart, Neesmith, all those guys, they all fit into the long-term equation for this Pacers team. And we saw it already. Rick Carlo got emotional after the season opener press conference saying that he had a tough conversation with McCollum and not finding consistent minutes for him. I think it's kind of going to be the thing for TJ all season long, as long as he's on the team, John, is he'll play maybe 10-minute 10, 10 spurts here and there. But unless Nemhart's hurt, unless Tyrese Halliburton's hurt, he might not get a lot of consistent minutes here. And why I eventually think down the road around February, I have a hard time seeing TJ McConnell be on this team because I think he deserves to get consistent minutes. And it really is a kudos to this Pacers team. Honestly, John, there are nine, 10, 11 guys deep. And a guy TJ McConnell is barely getting run. Mm, I, 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 <laughs> I, I just think that he is so, he brings a necessary element. He would for any team, but I think this team 
young and growing certainly needs it. I, I'm really, I'd be really skeptical if they pulled the trigger on that at any point, honestly. I, I just think – I think this team at times needs the juice, and I think you can see it. We have seen it in the past. He provides something off the bench that absolutely nobody else can, and I, I'm, I'd have a problem with that, at least sitting here right now. If something changes, maybe I wouldn't have so much of a problem come February. Right now, I would. So what happens rotationally tonight if there is no Halliburton, there is, there is no Matherin in this game in Boston? I think two guys to watch out for. One we just talked about. This could really be a showcase kind of game for TJ McConnell and why the Pacers might be able to cover the 11 and a half point spread. Why they, why they might keep this close even without Tyrese Halliburton if he doesn't go. It's like you mentioned TJ McConnell being that energy Lance Stevenson kind of spark for this team where we saw throughout his career in Indiana here. He can just bring that energy off the bench and really swing things. I would not be surprised if we see TJ McConnell play 25 plus minutes per game tonight if Tyrese can't go. And then also, Ben Shepard, I would not be surprised we see Ben Shepard maybe get his season debut of more consistent minutes tonight if we don't see Ben Matherin go. Because he, assuming, would slide into like a 10, 15-minute-per-game role and letting Bruce Brown, letting Buddy Heald soak up more minutes and letting that reserve role go to Ben Shepard. So I'm intrigued to see that if Matherin can't go, if Ben Shepard gets more of a consistent run tonight. Yeah, Warren, going to see any time tonight, you think? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Maybe a spurt here and there. But I – it's really, uh, again, like Jordan Wara, he, he's another guy to me, like a very good scorer. We saw it last year in, in moments, but his lack of defense, I think it's kind of hard to find a consistent role for him here. Maybe he gets 10 to 15 minutes tonight to give an offensive spurt without Matherin out there. Maybe that can make some sense there. But Wara is a guy to me, it's going to be hard to see consistent minutes for him at all on this team. Um, Boston has been very good, 3-0 and so far. However, if there is a spot, you might be able to get them. And I don't know if we're going to be able to see it uh what we normally would expect from this Pacer team, given the injuries um, that we may see tonight, is the depth. It seems like Boston certainly is is legit from top to bottom if you're talking about that, that starting lineup. But once you start really digging into this team deeper down that bench, uh, there are some spots you can get after there. Yeah, really, this Boston Celtics team, like you mentioned, super top-heavy. I think probably easily the best starting lineup in the NBA, at least on paper, that we've seen so far this season. Derek White, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, and then you throw Christoph Porzingis. That's an incredible starting five there. But outside of that, the bench unit is shaky at best for Boston. And like you mentioned, I think this Pacers team is 10, 11 guys deep compared to Boston's seven or eight at best. So I think if you get Christoph Porzingis in foul trouble, I think Miles Turner is actually going to play a pretty big role tonight at the pace to, if the Pacers can keep this close or not, John, because if Miles Turner can get Christoph Porzingis in foul trouble or, or win that matchup, I think the Pacers could really have a frisky shot of winning this game, which would be a really fun surprise, especially if they have no Halliburton or no Matherin. But I just have this weird feeling that if Miles Turner has a big game here, that they'll keep this one close. So Evan Sidery with us. Before I let you go, and again, a real small thumbnail sketch here of three games. Um, and I, I shouldn't be one that consistently brings up defensive prowess, certainly as much as I have in this conversation so far. But is, has Bruce Brown been that type of guy that you've expected to this point? I know it's all still developmental. I do get that. But has he been what you thought he was going to be defensively on that end of the floor so far? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I would say Bruce Brown's been kind of what I've expected so far. He's not, I would say, quote-unquote, an elite defender. But he's certainly an above-average one, and we've seen moments where he's had, had good spurts on possessions, but obviously you're seeing more of an offensive emphasis for Bruce Brown so far in Indy. He's a career-high 15 points per game three games so far we saw a great opener that he had too with those six three-pointers and 24 points 
So I think Bruce Brown's focusing more offensively right now, but once we see Brown lock in more defensively, it'll just take time with him as far as getting the best assignment and kind of fitting into the system here. So I think Bruce Brown's really been what I've expected and a lot better offensively too, to be honest. And Bruce Brown, if he's a 15-plus point-per-game scorer and your best wing defender, that's, that's a great contract. I think he's still signed for this Pacers team. All right, uh, Evan, what do you oh, – before I hit that, let me ask you this. Has there ever been – an NBA player that just gets whatever he wants. I mean, really goes into a corner, stomps his feet, throws a fit, and gets what he wants as much as we have seen over the past three or so years James Harden has. I think they should write a book about it, John, to be honest, because if you want to leave your job and do so in a – unceremonious way. James Harden certainly has written a book about it over the last three years. And just over a thousand days, John, he's forced three different teams to trade him. It's incredible. It really is. I mean, every less than a year. So maybe he runs his course in LA. He's on an expiring contract and he says, screw it. I'm, I'm done after this. It just seems like James Harden's kind of going down that volatile path and he's been on already, but it's getting worse and worse where I wouldn't be shocked at all. I wouldn't see a career path for James Harden after next season. This is his last NBA season because it's so unpredictable. Uh, it just seems like to me, him and Kyrie Irving are kind of in that same category to me now where you have no clue what's going to happen next with those two guys. And James Harden forcing his way out of Houston, forcing his way out of Brooklyn, forcing his way out of Philadelphia, all within three years. I mean, it really does say a lot about James Harden. And I think him leaving a situation with the MVP last year in Joel Embiid, I think kind of says a lot about what he's valuing right now in his career. I um, I don't get it. By now you would know that maybe you come out early on with positive results, but ultimately uh, it's going to end toxic and it's going to to be bad for your franchise. The Clippers seem like to me the only team left that would even have any interest and I sit here wondering why I think to me honestly the Clippers are a team to me where you've seen how inconsistent and how unlucky they've been over the last four years with this Paul George Kawhi Leonard experiment gave away their really their entire future draft picks and Shea Gillis Alexander on top of that who developed into a superstar for the Thunder how how injured those two have been Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and now those two entering into potentially the last year of their contracts next season I think this is kind of an all-in move for the Clippers to say, if this doesn't work with James Harden, we're just going to blow this whole thing up after this season. If, if one of these guys gets hurt again, if this doesn't work out, I think I would not be shocked at all to see the Clippers kind of say, screw it, we've tried it for five years in a row now. Nothing's clicked. We tried with putting James Harden there and Russell Westbrook. Nothing happened. One of those two guys always got hurt in the end. I think they're a team to me where I could really see next summer being a, a potential blow-up team where we see them trade one of Paul George or Kawhi Leonard and kind of just reset things there because they've gone all chips in now on this team with James Harden, Russell Westbrook. They have a lot of depth on that team too, even after the trade they just made. So I think it's just an all-in bet on this season. They have to win a championship. And if they don't, I think we're going to see pretty significant changes there. It's uh, absolutely incredible. A, a book. I wouldn't read the book, but I would maybe watch some sort of – there has to be some kind of HBO documentary or some 30 to 30 on that at some point. I would watch that. Oh, yeah. You have to imagine we'll see something, especially on that Nets team that had Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden all in the same locker room for that uh, one-year period. That That's going to be a, a really interesting documentary if they got around to that. So, Substack and Forbes Sports, we can find your work. Where else? 
that, that, that's all for right now. I'm on Forbes Sports. You can follow my work over there. You can follow my Substack, sourcesaid.substack.com. I'll be writing over there, too, as well. But covering the NBA as a whole, covering the Pacers, too. So it's been fun so far. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate the invite, as always, John. You got it, Evan. Thank you. Yeah, no problem at all. Appreciate it. Evan Sidery joins us. Uh, Forbes Sports Substack does a great job in covering the NBA. Explained that in-season tournament to you as well, which I'm glad I didn't have to. Thank you, Evan, for that. And if you missed any of the conversation, the podcast at 107.5thefan.com. So we're having, as I was talking to Evan right there, a friendly debate inside the Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge. And I say friendly because I'm not mad at anybody. I, I look at it, this is what these guys think that TJ couldn't have helped and wouldn't have helped and would be crossing up the development of a guy like Andrew Nimhart, for example, if he played on Monday or would not have helped when he played on Monday. My counter has been I love Andrew Nimhart, but he didn't have it on Monday, he turned it over six times on Monday. T.J. McConnell would not have done that. As a coach, it is up to you, especially with the youth and the development of a team. And when he has said in the past, when he goes to T.J. McConnell, it'll be one of those circumstances where he's kind of feeling it. Monday night was one of those circumstances. Just like Saturday night was a circumstance. And I know that you want to say, You give up so much with him defensively. Have you watched this team play defensively? Who doesn't give up a bunch defensively out front on this team? Who doesn't? We just talked to Evan Sidery. Evan Sidery just talked about one of the so-called best players in the NBA. You know, the big contract guy here, and I like him very much, and Tyrese Halliburton, but Evan was talking about hiding him defensively. Hiding So how much are you actually giving up? My suggestion is to exhaust all options that you have, especially when your backup point guard turned it over six times in a limited performance. So I'm saying I'm not here to sidetrack, derail anybody's development, but I am sitting in here and would suggest to try anything to win games. And if you see it's going down the crapper at that moment when it is, see if you can't find a little bit of juice off the bench. I don't know why that's such a damn issue. Good debate, though. I appreciate you guys. That's some of the stuff you will see. The Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. You can jump in on that debate if you want or just call at 239-1070. I got time for you coming up on the other side. Kevin Bowen's going to join me coming up at the top of the hour. Kevin Bowen's going to get new hair. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Colts today, a little walkthrough, and then obviously week number nine on the road at Carolina on Sunday. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. Road shows tomorrow and Friday. When and where? And the guests, especially those coming up on tomorrow's show. Sit tight. We'll come back with you on the other side. Again, inside the Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. This situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Evan Sidery, thank you very much. A little NFL, or check that NBA conversation with Evan. NFL, we talked week nine with the Colts on the road at Carolina. Anish Sharaf, a little bit earlier, too, the voice of the Panthers, also does play-by-play on ESPN Weekly. Anish on a podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Jonathan Stewart, who was on the Believe Podcasting Network, the former Carolina Panthers running back, I believe he attended Oregon, right? So a former Oregon Duck running back, Jonathan Stewart, joins us coming up on the show tomorrow. And the awesome Kevin Harlan joins us coming up tomorrow. I believe he is from Kansas City. I don't know if I'm going to bring up the fact that I hate Arrowhead Stadium. I'm assuming he probably loves it. Ah, just just an incredibly awful in-game experience at Arrowhead years ago. Had a fun time getting there. But as far as being there, it stunk. Jeff Hopkins... Jeff, I'm going to see if I can help you out on this. I don't know if I can. I don't know. Like, for example, things I can help you on would not include the Indiana Railroad Company. Then I have a heavy a heavy level of disdain for right now. <laughs> I know. Well, you just go a different direction. Yeah, what other direction am I going? Bottleneck going down east. Going south, still closed, going down Meridian, going south. And then you got Casey Jones's ass parked in the middle of the intersection on Bluff in his choo-choo all the time. Uh, chopper in and chopper out. Now, Jeff wants to know, I'm currently looking for full-time employment, looking for a long-term situation. Thanks, JMV. Does anybody have anything out there? Anybody would like to speak with Jeff on a long-term employment opportunity? Let me know. Jeff is a longtime participant to this show. I appreciate Jeff very much. So if you have something available and maybe you want to get a look-see for Jeff, let me know and I'll uh, put you guys together. Thank you, Jeff. But probably not the, the Indiana Railroad Company probably would not be listening to that. Seriously, every single time. It was like 2 in the morning. Saturday night to Sunday morning, I'm coming home after the Jamby takeover at 2 in the morning. That thing's just sitting there for like an hour. Well, just go a different way. I'll be jumping it like Bo and Luke Duke, maybe. JMV, TJ should be on the floor as much as possible. His energy is unmatched. That is the best education for the younger players. Things happen when he gets playing time. I'm not trying to suggest he should be on the floor all the time. My point is there are moments in which he's necessary. He just is. 
and you saw that on Saturday, and Rick utilized him, and things went well. I thought there was a point on Monday when he could have gone in, and I like Andrew Nimhart a great deal, but that was not his night, you could tell. And I'm just not ready to hear any it's, – it's really – it's kind of like against a bad quarterback. When I mentioned – remember this, I mentioned this after the Browns game, actually during the Browns game. P.J. Walker's the quarterback, the Colts were blitzing, getting to him, and he was completely foobar. Colts backed away. He goes right down the field. Right down the field, uh, a long pass play, a couple of penalties, score, game over. Now, granted, I know that that's not every game. That would not have worked at all last week against Derek Carr and New Orleans. I'm not advocating that. But I am, in certain moments, you realize what is necessary and what isn't. That, to me, is a part of you being a coach. And that's how I felt about that. And that's why I look back at that Cleveland game and I'm thinking, just send everybody. Well, you know what? You're going to get beat on the back end because, you know, look, you don't have anybody that can cover anybody. Well, right, right. But you got beat anyway. And that's my point with this Pacers defense right now. Out front, they're all going to get beat anyway. Like I'm hoping for better defense out front. I just don't know when you're going to see it. Sometimes I wonder if you're going to see it. But I'm just thinking, how much are you actually losing here? How much do you think you're losing? Because these guys are still going unimpeded to the basket most of the time off the dribble anyway. Or they're running these high ball screens, playing a little two-man game to end up getting the matchup that they want because the pace is so easily switched defensively. And I'm not advocating that full-time. I'm just suggesting there are moments in which you can make that move that I believe can be helpful for your team. And we saw it Saturday, and we didn't see it Monday. Now, grand scheme of things, is it that big of a deal right now? Nah. But I just bring it up. I just think that's a part of coaching. That's why when you're asked that question about McConnell, you leave that option open as, you know what, maybe if there's a situation where I need that, we'll go to him. That, to me, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I do realize, again, you're going to get beat anyway defensively. So you take the guy out that clearly didn't have it with six turnovers because that's one thing that McConnell's not going to do, even if he can't guard somebody on the other end. And by the way, neither really can Nimhart. But I know. I, I don't think that sidetracks the development like everybody talks about. God, that's something else. I mean, the whole development crap wears me out. Go with the best dudes at that moment that can win you the damn game. You think these guys are going to be scarred for life if they go out for five minutes? Oh, God, well, how can I develop now? I mean, the coach just made he made a change on me. There's no way. There goes my development flesh right down the crapper. I just want these guys to be put into... That's a part of having depth. Everybody lauds the depth. Use it. Depth gives you options. Use it. And really, for that, I don't care if it's game three, game 30, game 50. If that is one of your strengths, then use it. 
That's all I'm saying. Well, I don't know. I mean, you took him out here. There goes his development. <laughs> well, clearly what Chris Ballard wanted to do this year was get development out of his young secondary. No, really what he's doing is getting his team's ass whipped. That's what he's doing. That's what has happened. No, the, the development. <laughs> I just when you can win games, I want to see you win games. And that is a part of the constant dialogue around here, especially with the younger generation or nerds that drives me nuts. Drives me insane. And I know that it's easier said than done. But as a coach of a team, either one in this case, that's why you're there. If something's not working, go someplace else. If something doesn't work with Derek Carr, maybe it would have with P.J. Walker. Who knows with Bryce Young? I just if, if you're around to be competitive, I guess I just want to see you exhaust all options. And there are times around here when I don't think that we see that. And that's really nothing new. And I think that there's a balance in which you can utilize to where you're not taking away or derailing anybody's long-term future. But you can also play to win that game in the moment. All right, we can hit that coming up on the other side of 239-1070 if you so desire. Anish Sharaf was really good, ESPN, and he is the play-by-play voice of the Carolina Panthers. Also made fun of Jeff Rickard riding a bike. That was pretty sweet. Podcast at 1075thefan.com. In case you did not know, the guy that used to work here, be on the air here in the morning, is an avid biker. And as uh, Anish mentioned, he gets into all the gear. I mean, there are there are grape smugglers, there are nut huggers, and then there is what Jeff Rickard wears to ride his bike. <laughs> and he is not really head to toe. He is thigh to neck in Lecoque Sportif, if you remember that brand name from the day. Nah, really good, though. Anish was fantastic. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Evan Sidery talked NBA a moment ago with us. I, when he mentioned, and maybe that's just opinion, his opinion, not everybody else's, do the Pacers, you think, really feel the need to hide Tyrese Halliburton defensively? That kind of t- it took me by surprise a little bit. I know he's not a great defender, don't get me wrong. I don't know if I'd ever want to be known as the guy on the team, but please hide me defensively. Now, there's no doubt I need to be hidden, and I mean incredibly hidden defensively, like a chameleon. (laughs) Just hide me. But somebody of that level, I don't know if I'd ever want to be described as, and I don't care what game it is, what time of year it is, as being being hidden on defense. If you missed that, Evan Sidery. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. James on the other side. Kevin Bowen, 5 o'clock hour. Tomorrow and Friday on the road. We'll talk all about that with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
The Ride with JMV. It's Jim Pimmer, now talk to him, damn it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Anish Sharaf, who is the voice of the Carolina Panthers. Of its cidery talk NBA. Pacers Boston coming up later on tonight. 7 o'clock for you. Uh, Friday, Pacers, Cavs, that's uh, that's at 6.30. We off early on Friday then again? Man, they're giving us the big hose here on this off early type of stuff around here. Uh, JMV, yes, you do have to hide Halliburton. I did point this out on, on Monday, too. Actually, check that Tuesday. The Bulls ran two-man action versus him the entire last four minutes of the fourth to win that game. And you could definitely see that. Somebody had, and I I forget who it was, somebody had the video of it, and it was pretty brutal. Get back to that conversation coming up in a bit. By the way, Jeff Eric just got a hold of me here and said, contact Indigo, Jeff. Jeff is looking for full-time employment, long-term situation. Eric tells me for you to contact Indigo. Uh, James, before the top of the hours here at 239-1070. Hello, James. Hey, JMB. Uh, your take on Pacer player development does not, does not suck, and I got two reasons why. Number one, with today's NBA's revolving door, who are we developing these players for? What we know is we have you on the roster tonight, and we play the game to win tonight, number one. Number two, you and I are both about the same age. We grew up understanding one thing. Play, play level performance leads to playing time. Uh, you perform, you play, period. That's it. That's the best lesson these young players can learn. Uh, you perform, you play, period, right? This isn't that complicated. No, I, I, I agree. With, I agree with that, too. I, I'm all for development, but I'm also all for winning games. And if you have options, because everybody talks about the depth of this team. Well, utilize it then. I mean, if, if there's a, a chance that McConnell's going to give you something you don't currently have, like I thought he could have on Monday night and didn't get subbed in, then do it. I don't know what the problem is there. Right. You're turning the ball over, put a guy in, give him a shot, let him play, let him earn his minutes in the next game, and when he performs, reward him for it. Pretty simple. James, I appreciate the call. Take it easy. Yeah, I'm not trying to, again, sidetrack development, but – if somebody's not getting it done as a coach just realizes it's not happening and then go someplace else. Hey, clearly he's done that with Obi Toppin so far, everybody. You've noticed that. Quick break. We'll come back. Bowen's going to join us at the top of the hour. Coaches Tavern, Week 9, Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots, downtown coming up tomorrow with Brent Halverson at the Coaches Tavern. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Anish Sharaf, who is the play-by-play voice of Carolina a little bit earlier. Kevin Harlan tomorrow of uh, CBS. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, who was the former running back in Carolina. 
also joins us on the show tomorrow. Coach's Tavern downtown. That's a Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna's Old Tequila Shots. Thursday at Coach's Tavern, week nine, me and Brent Halverson and Tommy S. in the house coming up tomorrow. We would love to have you all down there. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon, the morning show is called The Morning Wake-Up Call with KB and Andy. And uh, soon to be getting his real growing hair back, courtesy of WeGrowHairIndy.com, is our Wednesday guest, KB, Kevin Bowen, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Are you excited? Because I have said this, you are going to look like, when this is all over, a very young, a youthful Mr. Cotter from Welcome Back Cotter, Gabe Kaplan. That's going to be you, Gabe Kaplan. I was wondering why there were some people tweeting me pictures of that. That's, that's uh, going to be you right there, because that's that's what your hair's going to do when it just goes out of control like mine has right there. You're going to look like Gabe yeah, Kaplan. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with all this hair. Yeah, week from Friday, John. I, I'm looking forward to it. I know you know Darren Andrews very well, and uh, a little hesitant initially, but he's been tremendous throughout the process and reassuring me and very detailed and everything. So, yeah, Andy Sweeney's not going to know what, what – what hit him when he sees my uh, my my hair flowing here starting in a couple of weeks? Does Sweebo have his? I never could tell. I've never seen Sweebo without a hat. So is that covering up the fact he doesn't have any hair? Um, I, I well, you hate to speak for him. I, I I would say he would. He probably falls in a similar boat as myself. Yeah. Because uh, I've never seen I've never seen it. He's got red hair too, right? Does he? Red, red hair. Uh-huh. I, yeah, see, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. know because I've never seen the dude without a hat. Has he ever washed? Did, has he washed uh, his hair up here before? <laughs> we did uh we did pictures uh what do they call those i'm trying to think like what they uh production shots whatever yes. you call them I, I feel like for our twitter page is that not our i, I don't know now i'm like trying to think what is he hatless in that is. yeah we we both are hatless in that and i feel like both of us are probably pretty uh pretty similar when it comes to the uh hair action so yeah, yeah i guess both of us yeah, both of us rock hair or rock hats uh, <laughs> primarily every uh, every morning. You guys, you guys aren't bathed when you come in. <laughs> That's funny. But no, Artist Robotic FUE. Now, do they put you out for that? I think it's just like a little sedation. I don't think it's anything no. like too crazy. Uh, but like Maddie's got to pick me up afterwards. Yeah, they couldn't wake me uh, up. I just I went out and they didn't I, they didn't need to give me anything. I just passed out watching Andy Griffith in their chair and then they were going, hey, say, hey man, yeah. we're going to close here. Can you get your ass up out of here? Come on. I go, hey, I'm asleep. So did you watch, did you like watch a, I don't know, a TV, an iPad? Did you um, No, they, uh, they said, what do you want to watch? And I said, you got any Andy Griffith? And they did, and they turned it on. And I think I lasted about, um, I don't know, two and a half minutes of the uh, episode. I think it was the Cow Thief. And I lasted about two and a half minutes of the Cow Thief episode. And then I passed out and woke back up when they were trying to wake me up so they, they could close. how long were you out i have no idea (laughs) no idea so yeah yeah that'll be me next friday honestly works out decently um because yeah the colts fly to germany next thursday so it's not like they would have had any media availability here anyway so yeah i'm looking at this uh shampoo right now now you say that that i'm supposed to use on thursday night right do that a couple times, and Darren just sent me the uh, the email of you know kind of the the do's and don'ts next week. They said I can't drink for a week out. Is that is that real? Did I well, I rules? would. I, I didn't follow the rules first, and um, yeah, I, like they said, because I laughed. 
They said, you know, you can't play basketball for two weeks. And I go, okay. So I did, and I did, and I shouldn't have. So, um, yeah, go by the follow the rules because I didn't initially. So, so post op, you were you were not supposed to play basketball for for two weeks. No, um, <laughs> yeah, two weeks. Uh, I played the day after, so yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> that wasn't did cool. You tell them that all you do is run three point line to three point line. I did, but, like then, but then I, you're banging around in the post. Well, I played with a couple of jackasses that can't pass, and somebody threw one when I wasn't looking. So <laughs> his name is John Darmelio, the worst passer in the history of pickup basketball. <laughs> and he's out there listening right now. I mean, seriously, behind the back. I mean, if there's a mascot like Nuke Lelouch to be hit standing on the sideline, he's going to hit it with a pass. So he's like a globetrotter out there on the floor. Problematic right there. But no, seriously, when you get done with this and your hair is fully back and you know, you're like old school Kevin Bowen again, you grow a mustache so you can look exactly like oh, Dave Kaplan. My dad had a great mustache back in the day. I, yeah. I was always so so jealous of it. So, in all seriousness, I am. Th- I, I Darren has been outstanding. Yes. Um, all throughout the process, he's a great, great human. Their whole staff up there. So, um, yeah, I definitely had some initial hesitancy, but looking forward to it. Nah, man, good, good for you. I'm telling you what. Um, follow my path because I'm going to have all new parts by the time I'm sixty. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you have always told me that. Yeah, it means right. Yes. Um, where, oh, yes. Where else are you going new? I, I don't know if I want to ask you where. Else oh, well, uh, if, hey, if you can go there, I'm going to go. I mean, all new, all new parts, everything. If they can do it, I'm going to do it. So, hips, knees, what you know, whatever else. All your bases there with that. Hey, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not married to any of my parts at this point. We've been together too long. (laughs) Well, I'm starting to get to the age where those that have enjoyed those, you know, I I don't know if I'm married to them too much longer if you you catch my drift. Frankly, there are a couple of parts that I'm sick and tired of seeing and I need to change. So I'm just going, hey, I'm really tired of seeing you. You know, the relationship is just kind of, you know, not going where it once was. So I think we need uh, a bit of a separation and a change. So that's what I'm thinking about. Well, yeah, my hand is sadly raised. And I feel like uh, some others might agree with that. Um, We talked about this a year ago, and it ended up being uh, Taylor Heineke that came in here and kicked the crap out of the Colts at the end of the game and beat them. Uh, We thought maybe at some point it was going to be uh, Carson Wentz, and we thought maybe that would have been one of the worst moments in the history of moments here with this Colts organization going back to 1984. Um, Where would it rank? And I know it's going to be away. It's in Charlotte coming up on Sunday, but where – would it rank if the second win on this schedule for Carolina this year came at the hands of the Colts? Yeah, it would be up there. Yeah, I, I know Frank isn't going to like outwardly, I don't expect like a Nick Sirianni type reaction after the game from him, but he is extremely, I think, motivated by this one, very understandably slow. So, I mean, he gets replaced. He gets replaced by a dude off of TV. I mean, all of that. I mean, if you look at Frank's just pure win-loss record, I mean, there are coaches that certainly keep their jobs without, uh, you know, even having the amount of wins that he did throughout his tenure. I think probably at times he 
would point to, again, he's not going to say this publicly, but, you know, more of the personnel issues that haven't been as acknowledged throughout the last, you know, half dozen years uh, and so much of it on, on his coaching with that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it'd be up there. Um, you know, obviously, if you, look, if you look at the line, clearly Vegas thinks the Colts are a favorite. I know that there's an element of me. I'm still like, you know, this is a backup quarterback going on the road, et cetera, et cetera. I still think the Colts should win the game. Um, you know, Vikings embarrassment to close out that game. You know, obviously just the whole run to end last season. Um, those would, I still think, rank higher up there. But if you ask Jim Mersey, uh, given what he did last year to Frank, given who he hired to Jeff Saturday, uh, and all of that, yeah, this is probably one of the ones that ranks, you know, near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list in terms of wins he wants for this season. So do they have any open auditions today at this walkthrough at the cornerback position? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Fair question. Uh, no outside the building move, right? Yeah. Corner, I believe yesterday, or, or even you know, not even like a free agent or a practice squad move. So any changes would be internal. Uh, we don't get to watch the walkthrough, um, so we we did not go out there. But um, I think that is what again it, it adds to kind of the puzzling nature of what they did last week. Uh, Tony Brown is not even really a nickel, or excuse me, he's not really even an outside corner. He's more of a nickel or a, or a slot guy. Uh, and he's not the youth movement, which, you know, again, Chris Ballard, you know, I, I thought was pretty candid in talking about, yeah, we are going to go youth at corner. Well, when you went veteran, like if you are going to go veteran, to me it's like, all right, you might yeah. as well have somebody that is at least played out there or is more of a corner. At this point, you know, Tony Brown has kind of fallen into special teamer first uh, before you even think about corner. That's why he made this football team over a guy like Darius Rush. Uh, you know, to me, Darius Rush, that would have been the perfect baptism by fire for him on Sunday. And, you know, okay, let him grow and let him learn and you know, all of those things And you're, when you're exposing a rookie, especially at that position, uh, to all of it. So uh, whether it's moving Kenny Moore, Outside, whether it's moving Tony Brown inside and Kenny out there, moving Julian Blackman, you know, down to nickel, getting it cross on the field. They've got a guy in Darren Hall on their practice squad who started nine games for the Falcons last year. I mean, that is at least recent playing time that, again, Tony Brown doesn't have uh, something. Um, and, and obviously there was a ton of debate last week, you know, okay, you know, Daryl Baker Jr., did he get a poor whistle late? You know, putting that debate to the side, the Colts clearly thought Daryl Baker was out of position or, you know, whatever, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't doing his job. Everyone want to label it. And so he loses his job again with, you know, obviously not getting a chance to be the guy against the Saints. I would say the only silver lining has nothing to do with cornerback options that I just named. It has to do with the Carolina Panthers wideout core is Adam Thielen and a bunch of dudes. So in, in no way do I think they have the depth that New Orleans uh, had at, at that wideout group. Just when we think we've got something, though, it always goes haywire. That's this. That's been the mo of this Colts organization now for such a long time. It's almost tough to remember the times when it wasn't that way. And I also was thinking about this in in terms of you bringing up Chris Ballard, you know, youth movement and. And Shane Steichen talking about going with the hot hand. Is, is there ever any point where anybody from this organization doesn't get burnt by previous words and phrases? Seriously. Because you look at Shane Steichen, the hot hand clearly was Jonathan Taylor, and you clearly went away from that. 
So, you know, there's words that's going to burn you. And then the whole Ballard study, he's been burned by so many words in the past, I can't even count. Is there ever a point? I know it's hard because you're always being asked to answer questions and all this, and you don't want to. But it just seems like it has been the most consistent thing about this organization over the years is being burnt by words you had previously uttered. Yeah, I mean, there's an element of like, uh, it's a big part of my job. So I, I appreciate the words. I, I wish, obviously, Shane to be a little bit more candid with them. Uh, hey, you just screwed up. You, you screwed up because you were trying to outthink the room. Right? Right. And, and That's I what mean, happened. You know, a little bit more of an, you know, to me, I, and I guess we haven't really gotten there with Shane just yet. You know, he, you know, he, he said, uh, you know, I could have sprinkled in a run here or there, but I don't think he has that big of a, you know, I look back on it and I have a lot of regrets over not using Taylor. Um, and there are plenty of times, John, where, you know, whether it's Chuck Pagano, whether it's Frank Reich, whether, you know, even, I don't know, just <laughs> I'm trying to think of Shane, I, I don't know, where you get, like, removed from a game. It's, it's a day or two removed from a game. You look into it more. You talk to people. You go back and you watch it. And you think, okay, I understand what they were thinking there. I understand some of the rationale. It didn't work out, but I have a, a bit of a grasp on on what they were trying to to do. The Taylor side of it, to me, I, I'm it's even more mystifying to me. Uh, the more I do look into it, the more I you know hear the hot hand. Sunday was the second best first quarter of Jonathan Taylor's career. I would think that would qualify as he is hot. He is. The hot hand. He is, you know, boy, we need to make sure we continue to feed him. This might sound stupid, but New Orleans entered Sunday, and they had a ton of dudes puking and, and, and sick and IV galore. I mean, they had like five guys on their practice squad out due to – or on their injury report out due to illness throughout the week. Michael Thomas said he had nine IVs on Saturday and Sunday combined. So, in my opinion, I'm thinking, boy, that could be an avenue where they're on the road, they had a flight, now, if you body blow them in the first quarter, what's that going to look like in the second, the third, the fourth? Um, so even when you add up all of it, again, it just does not make sense, especially when, um, you know, and this is different from the Michael Pittman comments after the Browns game. Let's say that Michael Pittman, you know, it wasn't the raw emotion of another loss. It was he was really mad about that. You could counter to Michael Pittman and be like, hey, man, they scored 38 points. They put up 450 yards. Like, there are reasons why maybe you didn't get peppered with as many targets as you would like to. Whereas this Sunday with Taylor, Shane Sacken can't sit there and say, hey, we were scoring, you know, on a routine basis. Or, you know, the passing game was doing this. The second half, you scored seven points. Uh, and Taylor had one carry and, and one catch in that entire half of football. So, and even if you wanted to point to other things that were working, those weren't there at all. So, yeah, to me, it had kind of a valedictorian feel to it of I'm going to prove that I'm, you know, the smartest guy and we're going to achieve this great balance. And but no, backup quarterback, 41 pass attempts. You're only down two scores on one of those possessions. Uh, none of it. None, none of it makes sense, which I was surprising. I, I, or I, I was surprised that I thought I'd get to Monday or Tuesday or even today, Wednesday. And it, I would like it would lessen a little bit of the feelings I had kind of walking out of Lucas Oil Sunday. But looking into it more. Uh, I'm even more dumbfounded than I was on Sunday. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was hoping for Jonathan Taylor after the game to re-rack the words of Michael Pittman Jr. the week prior and say, <laughs> I guess I'm not a part of the second half game plan, but clearly he has exhausted his level of pissiness to this point, right? <laughs> yeah, he got all that out of the way <laughs> Yeah, with his words and his actions in June and July and, and August. And 
even if you go back and watch how Taylor ran it in the first quarter, I mean, he was running over people. He was. Saints defender. He was. I mean, he was making great cuts. It was. It's not like he had this, whatever, 465 wide hole, and he ripped off a 70-yarder, and then he had a bunch of one-yard carries around that, and you get to the end of the first quarter, and, you know, whatever. He's got seven carries for 80 yards, but I don't know. Maybe it's a little skewed. Yeah, he had the 40-yarder. That was a hell of an effort by him on the 40-yarder. But he also had, you know, a run of 14 and a run of 11. And, you know, even like the four and the six-yard runs, I thought were both pretty pretty nice runs from him. Um, and he's always been a guy that if you look at his big plays, a lot of them occur in the second half, a la Zach Moss in the third quarter when he ripped off that, that 40-yarder as well. So, uh, boy, when you look at Carolina and how poor they've been running it and how much you – hammered Michael Pittman uh, early on Sunday with targets, I would assume Jonathan Taylor would be a big focal point early in the game on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no doubt about that. We'll see. Uh, it it, uh, <laughs> it always goes, so, goes I haywire. Maybe I hope that he's a big part more than I, I, I think yeah. he will be a big part. Uh, Kevin Bowen, the morning show is the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. 7 until 10 a.m. weekday mornings here on The Fan. Kev's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Listen, I had said this. There's a promo that runs, and I'm complaining about, you know, understanding when there's going to be a time early in the season to utilize T.J. McConnell. And it came pretty quickly. It came in game number two in Cleveland on Saturday evening. I thought that there was another time on Monday. Now, I'm getting some pushback from people inside the windshieldless Spreadable Cheese's lounge that suggest that you can't sub out Andrew Nemhart, even though he had six turnovers for T.J. McConnell because you give up too much in defense. And then I think everybody forgets that defensively um, on the perimeter, they can't guard you. I mean, really, none of them can guard you. That didn't really matter. I just thought that, thought that that was a moment for McConnell on Monday night once again. A, do you agree with that? And then B, are we seeing a little bit of pushback as far as the minutes are concerned? And we'll start, I guess, with McConnell off the bench and, and not wanting to sub him in. And then as well, the minutes we see from Obi Toppin to this point. Yeah, I didn't think the McConnell lack of usage jumped out at me as much as it did like Saturday. Like Saturday, it, it, it screamed that with what Cleveland you know did to you um, at the start. I, I'd have to go back on Monday. I felt like most of the Nemhard issues were more kind of second half, even fourth quarter related. And by that point, you know, I don't think you would have turned to him. And also, it was okay. You know, how are you guarding DeRozan and Levine here down the stretch? Ideally, you're not putting Halliburton on them. So if McConnell's out there, who are you going to who, who, who you going to put Halliburton on? Can he not guard anybody out there? Well, I, I'm trying to think who they had in in the fourth. Was it was I don't know, was it Kobe White or Caruso? I don't know. One of the two. I, I, Caruso I was like out there. Through. Yeah, Caruso was yeah. out there. I think you're trying to hide him there. And again, obviously Charlotte was. Or, well, um, Chicago well, then, was switching there or trying to get Halliburton to switch on to DeRozan or Levine. The, the the Pacers, and I mentioned this yesterday too, they they switch so easily. And that's something I've noticed too. And I, I, I'm not trying to, to recommend the old school, well, you just got to get over that screen, like we were all told. But man, they switch and they get themselves in bad situations because they are bad defensively, but bad situations more times than not because they so easily switch. That's weird to me. Yeah, and I feel like this year it's more the the phrase they use is guard your yard. I feel like this year they aren't trying to switch as much as last yeah, year. I thought it was noticeable in that game Monday. 
like last year, I feel like they just they were in scramble hell by the end of the shot clock. Yeah, they were. guys were just running around, their heads cut off, you know, trying to find somebody. Um, so I guess going back to Monday again, I didn't. It wasn't as much as it was on Saturday, but you know, certainly tonight. I mean, you would think McConnell's going to play a big role if Tyrese Halliburton is indeed out. You know, we'll, I guess that final injury report would probably be coming here pretty soon. And, and honestly, in years past, I feel like Carlisle has oftentimes just bumped you know TJ into the starting lineup and, and kept that second unit a little bit more stable you know would you have Nemhard at the second unit or I don't know do you feel like Nemhard at the starters because again he could be an option to guard through Holiday Jalen Brown Jason Tatum I mean the list is kind of endless so you know Monday obviously Nemhard was not good I mean it, it's pretty rare for Rick to kind of bail on him uh, in the fourth quarter like he did I, I, I get why he did he wasn't playing well um, and, and to me you know in, in some way shape or form and obviously McConnell helps I think in the pace area you didn't get the game at your pace at all and you missed a ton of open shots, um, and you couldn't defend without fouling. And, and you know, probably TJ, you know, mostly out of those three, could help with the pace and, and, and try to get you some of the easy buckets uh, that you couldn't have. So um, I, I certainly think there will be a good amount of nights like the Cleveland one on Saturday where you do turn to him uh, at, at different points. And, and in general, I'm just curious how he juggles the rotation all year long because uh, I, I think it's going to be a huge – it's a great problem to have, but I think it's going to be something that – doesn't have a lot of easy, obvious answers uh, night in and night out. I know it's way early, but my my early, early observation is that uh, that Rick may end up Obi to Obi Toppin giving him the uh, Thibodeau treatment at some point here early. If he if he can't score consistently and then can't guard anybody, start Neesmith for him. I, I wonder. I mean, do you, have you not wondered yeah. this as well? I mean, you see, yeah, you I know, mean, the, the minutes haven't been at times that critical, and you, it just makes me wonder. And I, I guess that kind of falls on me because that's how he was treated in New York, especially what we witnessed him coming off the bench once Tom Thibodeau got there. But it just kind of makes me wonder where his starters' minutes may or may not go. But again, it's early. Yeah, and I'm curious for that starting unit, how that's going to look like. It, it, it's an interesting group, and I know you and I have had this conversation, like taking Buddy out of the starting lineup, and you instantly lose very important spacing. Um, you know, Matherin, Bruce Brown, and Toppin are not like scouting report shooters where I think the other team's going to be like, we can't leave this guy. So, like, all three of them are kind of – and even Miles. I mean, all, all four of them, they can certainly hit threes. But I, I don't – I mean, they don't have, you know, and to be fair, not a lot of people have Buddy's reputation, but uh, those guys are a little bit of streaky shooters. Um, maybe it's unfair to label all four of them as that, but I think generally they would fall into that sort of category. And I don't feel like the starters this year have gotten into a great flow at all, any of the three games, to where it's just Halliburton out and running and quarterback and all and directing traffic. And I guess, honestly, Chicago might have been their best performance – uh, if you just boil down to that first unit uh, and what they look like for you know whatever right. the first six to eight minutes well, of the game, so and they have they have turned it over a lot. They have turned it over a lot. I, I can't remember how much they did that early in the in the Cleveland game, but I mean hell, they, they couldn't stop turning it over in their first game here against the Wizards, and it seemed like that they were doing some of that. They turned it over seventeen times in all on Monday night, so I think that's been an issue too. Yeah, because you have to have Toppin in the open floor. I mean, like, that's where, you know, he, yes, I mean, certainly he's going to be half-court possessions where he's going to have to function, but 
uh, you know, that is where he is at his, his best. And uh, again, tonight, if it's no Jalen Smith, I mean, does Jarris Walker squeeze into any minutes? You know, is that something that you'd like to see early in the season and try and see if there's any sort of role for him as you get deeper into the year or maybe the rotation just naturally shortens a little bit? Um, so yeah, I, I do think there are a lot of, you know, those types of questions for them, but mainly the starting group, I, I, I don't think has played uh, very well at all, really, uh, to, to start the season, which, you know, obviously you can look at that from a you know optimistic point of view and saying they will, um, but certainly teams are trying to you know, keep Halliburton out of transition and ultimately take the ball out of his hands and then on the defensive end, uh, make him guard. I mean, for those that watched, you know, any of the FIBA, I mean, that's certainly what some of those international teams tried to do as well with him. Um, so I would assume that that's what they're going to try to do, knowing how important he is to everything the Pacers want to do offensively. Hey, Kev, FFA, the future Farmers of America, is in town. Did they have FFA oh, yeah. at Cathedral? Uh, I don't. I, I don't think so. Right now, I, I, I mean, they I have everything else. How do they not offer FFA at Cathedral? I, you're probably talking to the wrong human here. With that, uh, your parents were your parents teachers. Your parents were teachers, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. What What Indianapolis area schools offer FFA? Do we know? I assume all of your donut counties. I don't know. Is it too like? I I don't know. Would the city schools also offer it? Let's see. Um, I I would. Yeah, I, I don't know. Inside Marion County, I wonder which ones would offer FFA. Yeah. Boy, those jackets, I mean, they are in full force down. Pulling what, out of the parking garage, it's like you, you might spend, you might have to sit in your car for 10 minutes to get all of them past the uh, past the sidewalk. There. 90, is it, am I totally off base on this number? Did I see it's 90,000? I think it's 90,000. Yeah. So that, uh, that sugar shack shop or whatever it is is going to be packed to the gills <laughs> all weekend long. <laughs> and they still. Were you an FFA at Eastern Green? <laughs> uh, no, I was not. Uh, but everybody else was. So I, I took Woods class. I didn't take welding. I took Woods. I made a shelf in Woods class. Yeah, I used a bandsaw. I, I went to, this is a true story. I was in a class with a guy that cut the tip of his index finger off on a bandsaw. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. But hey, you can. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the worst of his situation unfortunately moving forward well, um so yeah you 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 probably can but no yeah, yeah. with a band a band saw is what it was cut it off you could certainly cut the uh cut the tip off some other things that would be a little bit more damaging to you so i guess if we're looking for he's gonna be that. sitting on the bandsaw table or anything like that but no <laughs> he uh he had a problem with that so no f ffa i did not have but i do have because my my friends from jay county way back in the day gave me um as a gift the jay county ffa jacket that i still hold near and dear in my closet today well, that's a prize possession. Yeah. I do think the jacket looks super comfy. Uh, and honestly, probably for a weekend like this, 
Yes, the uh, Linville clan, by the way. Uh, Joni Linville is a big listener to all of our shows and will come out when we're um, out at the track doing stuff in Pagoda Plaza for Carb Day. I think it was Joni and some of her uh, family members that hooked me up with a J County FFA. And I love I love the blue corduroy. I don't know if you're a corduroy guy or not, but the blue corduroy yeah, is awesome. So. I've got some corduroy pants, and I've got a good friend that has uh, some in-laws in the Jay County area. That that, that to me would be, um, I would think that would be an FFA hotbed. Awesome. See, I don't know. I'm shocked that Cathedral doesn't offer FFA. I don't even know if Ron Colley does. I don't know if I've ever heard of it, so I should well, we, we call gotta, out Ron Colley. We got to get Blake a jacket, get him walking around I, I would downtown. bet. I would bet Franklin Central does, and I wonder if – Decatur Central does. Yeah, I would think any of your donut. I mean, I would think I don't know Plainfield, Danville, Mooresville, Lebanon. West, I mean, hell, Westfield. I, I don't know. Let I, me tell you this: not I, all of those. Even if you're at Warren, you're over at Warren on the east side, and you yeah, drive sure. five miles east, and you've got farmland. Yeah, you get past Post Road, and definitely. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just a yeah. thought. All right, what yeah. you guys Number got going on? Breaking down. I'm like breaking down the FFA here locally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what school that? You know, IHSA is not screen. Not, not, not going to be. Uh, oh, that's a big mistake. Games on TV anymore, and we'll, we'll have to get into the FFA uh, debate. Yeah, I would agree. And that, that is such a that is such a bad deal. And and you let people know football wise, like what three weeks before the state finals people are going to be pissed it's coming man it is coming oh yeah people are going to wake up that black friday tradition like always tune into the state final games yeah they're going to be irate uh tomorrow we are what are we doing uh recapping celtics and pacers i think we've got the charlotte observer mike k i know frank Reich fielded a lot of colts jim mercer related questions today so we will uh, chat with him about that yeah todd meyer checks in our great executive producer i was born in the uh, seat of Jay County is what he says. Todd came down here and yelled at me because I was going to give a uh, a uh, blue package analogy a little bit earlier regarding the teams around here, and he didn't want me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I get his feel and just sprinting out of his office down there. Yeah, like uh, pig vomit did in uh, the Howard Stern. <laughs> pig vomit. We go knock on his door. <laughs> awesome, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll be listening in the morning, Kev. I'll see you soon. All right, John. Have a great week. Uh, it's, uh, Kevin Bowen right there. And, and the best of luck with Kev doing WeGrowHairIndy.com. Beach Grove has FFA, according to T right here. James, do I need to hit a break? James is going crazy over there. I hit a break. Come back with you and me on the other side next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were, I'm on drugs. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We just had a commercial run regarding Creed, right? Why are we not giving away Scott Stapp Creed tickets right now? Why are we not doing that? I'm going to walk down the hall and find out what's happening around here. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Scott Stapp, people like to make fun of Scott Stapp and Creed, but 
Once upon a time, Tony Donahue worked here, and Scott Stapp, I believe, was playing over at um, uh, Eight Second Saloon in a solo affair, and he was going to come on the show, and we ended up, we had to do, something happened, it was a big cult story uh, that popped or something, and we had to bail, and he was the nicest dude about it ever. So, shout out to Scott Stapp. And Creed, I believe that's coming to uh, Ruoffo Mortgage Music Center next summer. Some point we'll have to give you some tickets on that too. Uh, this is from BK, the shop at Broad Ripple and Carmel. Great shirts, I wear them all the time. In fact, I think most of my wardrobe is courtesy of the shop in Broad Ripple and Carmel. JMV, I was there all day today selling merchandise, and the only Indiana places I saw close HSE which is in Fishers. I just kind of wondered if there was uh, any FFA uh, within schools in Marion County. I thought initially about Franklin Franklin Township and Franklin Central. Uh, I think I said Decatur as well. I am not quite sure. But there are a high number of FFAers in town for the rest of the weekend, so be prepared. Hey, JMV, I have all new parts. Call me the copay man instead of the $6 million man. Well done. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to look forward to one of these days. All new parts. JMV, McConnell's also like when the Pacers had Al Jefferson in that he is the ultimate locker room leader, hype man, role model, and teammate. Minutes or no minutes, his value to the Pacers team is priceless. I do think that there's a high level of value there. I do believe he would have helped on Monday just like he helped. Just like I should say he helped on Saturday too. There's going to be moments. Let's coach him up for those moments. Tim writes this, JMV, the Colts should not have dumped Manning, who went on to set the season record for passing TDs with the Broncos. Luck could have learned and avoided a couple of years of punishment, not to mention the Manning family would be living here now, supporting the city and not hanging out in Denver all the time. Yeah, you ended a lot of things, not solely, completely, but you ended a lot of things that could have been with that decision, Tim. There is no question. And I remember, this is me back then, and I got so made fun of. I said, draft luck and keep Manning. I said that. And over the years, I have called myself out for that being the worst take of all time. But now, as we're even further down the road, it, it doesn't look so bad, <laughs> does it? or just keeping him all together doesn't look so bad. Because when you made that decision to end it, uh, the effect the effect of that decision has been broad. And I think most people would look back on it and it has not been worth the price of admission, has it? Thank you, Tim, for that. That to me is pretty interesting, though. Hey, JMV, I heard you read the analogy of the last American version. <laughs> he goes, you read that and you go, this is going to be like one of those great 80s teen sex romps. And then it ends with a dude crying as just once by James Ingram is playing. 
or maybe no, it was not. Jay, is it James Ingram or is it Quincy? It may have been Quincy Jones. I have to look that up. One of the two. But that was the song that was playing, "The Last American Virgin." Jay, and the FFA was huge in Franklin community, Johnson County in 06. It was all these surrounding schools as well. See, I, I grew up in a spot where you never would have thought, like everybody, there were like more people in FFA than there were in the basketball program. True story. And they were being groomed to take over their large family farms for the next generation. I just I didn't live on a farm. I lived around them. I lived in the woods, but not on not on a farm. But as you know, still to this day, I have such a tremendous amount of respect for the Indiana farmer and what they continue to try to do around here. And obviously, I have seen farms be squeezed for a variety of reasons, certainly all led by that of finances. But I have a great deal of respect for the Indiana farmer. Always have and always will. It's funny. I always look back on it and I go, man, that, I mean, you get to, you know, you still spend time on your property and it's all you. But man, there is no harder level of work than that. It is never ending. And then most often, most often with that, it comes down to, yeah, weather situations i mean so much but a great deal of respect is exactly what i have future farmers of america uh in indy for their convention uh now and this weekend so watch for that as reggie just sent me a picture yes a lot are downtown right now that is right in front of harry and izzy's it is packed it looks like they all see you, Reggie, too, taking that picture. They're all looking at you. I'm going to retweet that. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Anish Sharaf, who is the voice of the Carolina Panthers, also does play-by-play work for ESPN and college football, and I believe college basketball as well, a little bit earlier. The podcast, 1075thefan.com. Evan Sidery talked NBA with this Pacers matchup in Boston tonight with the Celtics. 7 o'clock, your coverage begins. Full recap of that tomorrow. And uh, Kevin Bowen who is going with WeGrowHairIndy.com at 888-724-5129. Getting that new and real regrown head of hair with Artist Robotic FUE. Kevin Bowen a little bit earlier. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Again, tomorrow, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots, week number nine. Me, Brent Halverson, and Tommy S. Down at Tommy S.'s place, Coach's Tavern downtown. Jonathan Stewart, the former Carolina Panthers running back. And CBS play-by-play man extraordinaire, Kevin Harlan, all joining us on the show coming up tomorrow. Love to see you down there. Again, Coach's Tavern downtown. Quick break. Back with you coming up 93.5 and 107.5 the fan the ride with jmv it's called sex panther by odeon it's illegal in nine countries it's quite pungent stings the nostrils 93.5 and 107.5 the fan hey turn that up really quick would you james This is an incredibly sneaky great song right here. 
I think, honestly, you could get Steve Perry to sing the back of a cereal box, and it'd be great. Sneaky, fantastic song right here by Journey. Ah. Hey, tomorrow's show, by the way, I mentioned this before the break. Coach's Tavern, can you guys make it down tomorrow? Coach's Tavern? Because the samples are going to be flowing. I mean, outstanding. And by the way, I, I think I forgot to do it on Friday. Uh, a shout out to everybody at, at Kipps. Last Thursday was awesome. And one of these days, I hope to make it up there to be a part of the Hermit Crab Races. But Kipps up off of Allisonville, absolutely outstanding time. Uh, Tommy S. has coaches open for us tomorrow. We begin at 3 o'clock with me and uh, Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, week number nine of the NFL season, which includes the Colts and the Panthers uh, coming up tomorrow. We'll do that, all the NFL games. And, of course, get you set for that. Kevin Harlan's on the show of CBS tomorrow, CBS, TNT, everything. And uh, Jonathan Stewart, Jonathan Stewart, who has uh, been formerly a running back uh, with Carolina, and there were points in time he was incredibly productive. I believe, right, did he not share a backfield? I believe he shared the backfield while in Carolina. But Jonathan Stewart's tomorrow. Mike Chappell's on the show coming up tomorrow. We didn't get into it because I got a lot into it yesterday regarding the IHSAA's decision to solely stream their upcoming championship events, including here in three weeks, the football state championship games. And maybe it won't matter an ounce. Maybe you think I'm trying to ring an alarm bell that should not, in this case, be rung. But... I think that that is a bad move, especially with this small amount of time and especially given the fact that you get a lot of people, and I know it's tough for you, some of you to understand if you're A, savvy with technology and the internet, or B, if you have it easily at your disposal, a lot of people don't and aren't. I just think you are going to lose a massive viewing audience. Now, granted, we have it right here, so whatever. You can hear it right here. But I think you're going to lose a massive amount of people that will not tune in, even if you got it content-wise via Bally Sports in the past and you're sick of jacking around with them. I, I would ask anybody that might want to do it. I would try to get it somewhere. And I certainly don't know about offering it up for $15 a game or $20 per whatever to get every that's that's tough that is really tough and keep in mind too uh the at home experience the $15 is the same as the price of admission right i guess that's what you're talking about with the championship events uh but it, it, it's not the same that's tough we'll check in again on that coming up tomorrow but I am not a fan of that maneuver. Not at all. We talked about a little bit on that. Still evolving, I know. Just take my advice. I am always right about this stuff, too. Always right about this stuff. Because, unlike a lot of other people, I have my finger on the pulse. I'm out all the time. I know what you guys are telling me. I know what you guys are saying. You know, others just go by, you know, meters and whatever. You know, the rating system, the way that it's done, I go by word of mouth, and nobody else is like me that is out in it. Couple, 
two, three times every week, and I hear from you. I mean, you tell me how you end up consuming our material, our content. That one's a little bit slippery right there. I mean, plus, we live in an era now where you have 9,000 different things to pay for if you cut the cord and 9,000 different passwords. That also is going to drive you nuts. Hit on that coming up again tomorrow. Uh, Wynn Schuler Spreadable Cheese is inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys are great in there. You offered up some content as well. Peaches, uncouth, gritty, well done. Wynn Schuler Spreadable Cheese is available at Meyer and Kroger. Winshulers.com. Anish Sharaf, Evan Sidery, Kevin Bowen, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Kevin Harlan tomorrow, Jonathan Stewart tomorrow, Mike Chappell on the show tomorrow, Week 9, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. We'll be among the future farmers of America. Coach's Tavern downtown starts at 3 with Brent Halverson. Cannot wait to see you there. James, great job. Talk to you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Don't miss it. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Enjoy the Pacers and Celtics right here tonight.